The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hi and welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting with a bit of a focus on sleep and settling across those first few years. Um, I'm Dr. Fallon Cook and I'm here with Dr. Laura Conway and uh, we're smack bang in the middle of school holidays. Laura, how are you (laughs) hanging in there? (laughs) Oh yes, I'm all right. I'm um, having a recovery day today after taking my kids to the Royal Melbourne show yesterday. Oh, you're brave. Uh, Yeah, so it was... um, it was loud and it was bright and it was overstimulating. <laughs> and um, I took some of your advice, actually, Fallon, um, where we uh, in the past have talked about what to do with um, uh, babies and toddlers who are really overwrought and, you know, either take them outside oh, yeah. or put them in water. And I put myself in water when I came home. <laughs> I had a lovely, long, warm shower just to <laughs> calm down. A full reset to bring you I back to baseline, reset. as we say. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. I love it. Oh, that's such a good idea. Um, yes, mm. and we had a, um, a nice time, didn't we, Fallon? Because I came up with my children around where you live. So we were able yes. to get the gang together. Yes, had a lovely bushwalk. It was awesome. I'll have to, we took that photo. I'll have to post it on social media. Mm. Um, yeah, and no, it was such an awesome walk. Um, and I have to apologize because I'm a little bit croaky today because my me and my children are a little bit obsessed with karaoke at the moment and oh, these yeah. holidays we keep randomly breaking into songs a bit of a challenge to each other like um I'll just like we're a bit obsessed with the Barbie movie so um yeah my daughter all I have to do is say the first line of that song um I'm just Ken is it I'm just Ken oh my god I always forget these things but um yeah. one of us will just say the first few words and then like the whole house breaks into a song <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun doing that, but yeah, I've been singing a little too hard, and I um I was just oh. in the car with them, so yeah, my um vocal cords are feeling a little bit of strain. <laughs> yeah. Well, have have you got yourself a glass of water there, Fallon? I don't, so yeah, Whoops. let's see how we go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so this week, I really wanted to spend some time on the podcast talking about sleep deprivation because it is really, really common in parents in those first few years, you're going to have times when, you know, it's more than just tiredness, it's fatigue. Mm -hmm. And fatigue is distinctly different from tiredness because it is just, it impacts every single facet of your life. Mm -hmm. It can be so challenging to deal with. Um, But there are some really good little tips and tricks you can use to kind of cope with those um, times. And so what I did was I put a bit of a call out to some of our clients in the clinic and asked them to tell us more about the the sleep deprivation and fatigue that they had endured and how they got through it. Because I think there's nothing quite like a story from another parent to kind of 
um, I suppose it just kind of resonates. You feel a bit less lonely mm. when you know that there are others going through these things. Um, and we had a lovely story come back um, from one of your clients, Laura. We're going to call her Sarah. Mm-hmm. She wants to remain anonymous, which is fine. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to start by reading out Sarah's story and then we'll have a bit of a chat about fatigue. Mm. Um, so Sarah says, my son was about six months old and the sleep deprivation was starting to take a toll on my overall well-being. I was juggling a part-time job and caring for my baby and our nights were almost sleepless. Mm. It was challenging to focus on anything, let alone my job. I was constantly on the verge of tears, overwhelmed by fatigue and feeling really isolated. My patience wore thin and I became short-tempered with my son and my husband. The lack of sleep affected my memory and decision-making abilities, making it really difficult to perform even simple tasks. One day, after a particularly sleepless night, I was attempting to make breakfast. In my haze of exhaustion, I left the stove on and completely forgot about it. My husband found it just in time before it caught fire. It was a wake-up call for me. I realised I needed to prioritise my well-being and find a way to get more sleep. Mm. My husband and I had an honest conversation about how much I was struggling, especially during the night. We decided to split the nights into two shifts so we each could get a long stretch of sleep and whoever was off duty wore earplugs so they wouldn't be woken. Additionally, we sought advice from Dr. Laura. With her guidance, our son started to wake less often at night. To manage the stress, I reached out to my GP who recommended a psychologist. Speaking to a professional about my challenges and learning coping strategies was a huge turning point for me. Since I didn't have family nearby, I also began attending a local gym that offered free childcare. Those gym sessions became my sanctuary, allowing me to focus on my well-being and get some much-needed me time and return home again rejuvenated. I started feeling more rested, my mood improved, and I could enjoy the precious moments with my son without feeling constantly exhausted. I really... I. I love that story. It grabbed a hold of me when I read it because I oh, I just know as parents we've all been there where we've had these moments that kind of they scare you and they do give you that bit of a wake-up call. Um, you know, and sometimes it's really minor things. Like I know one time I can look back and laugh now, but I was just trying to get through the washing and I was so exhausted and I realised I'd sprayed carpet cleaner all over the clothes <laughs> instead of stain remover. You know, little things like that are going to happen. But I also look back, I don't know about you, Laura, but I, I know there were times when I was driving the car and I probably shouldn't have been because I was so completely exhausted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you yeah. do anything odd <laughs> or scary? Yeah, yeah, I did. And um, yeah, I think I'm in good company with most um, parents um, Mm. of babies. Uh, There was one time where I was dropping my older child off at daycare and um, I had my very little baby in his car capsule and um, we walked into the daycare centre, the three of us, um, and I went to put my daughter's backpack in the storage room um and then left the storage room and went to talk to one of the uh, educators in my daughter's room and I was standing there saying oh I really don't think I should be driving I'm so so sleep deprived and uh the next minute this other educator came out of the storage room 
with the car capsule in her hand, <laughs> calling out to the, all the parents doing drop-off to say, has anyone forgotten their baby? <laughs> There's something significant in the lost and found collection. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Whoops. Uh, yeah, my case in point. <laughs> I'm very, very tired. Yeah. It's easy to become really forgetful, isn't it? Mm, yeah, mm. it certainly is. And like you were saying, it, it can be uh, kind of funny little things like that, um, which don't have any major consequences. But um, there are much more serious implications of being so, so fatigued. Um, and it's not mm. uncommon for me to hear from um, other mums who will, you know, when they hear about what I do for work, they will then confide in me about the time that they drove through a stop sign um mm. and when they were just you know their baby was only a month old and they were just so shattered their eyes are falling out of their head um or they'll um uh as someone else i know just um forgot to even pre- they were at a pedestrian crossing and forgot to wait for the signal to cross and just walked out yeah um, in front of traffic and luckily there was someone else God. there to stop them so yeah, it didn't end in tears but it's yeah it really impacts functioning doesn't it Fallon it really does and it like I mean to be honest it it disproportionately impacts women because so often it's sort of uh, you know in a lot of households it is just well it's the woman's job to get up and resettle the baby because they're the one who's breastfeeding and that's really unfortunate and I I love that Sarah and her husband decided okay enough's enough we're splitting the night into shifts because it is both yeah. parents responsibility to manage those nighttime mm-hmm. wake-ups and I mean in that case both parents are working but even if one parent is at home it's still work. I mean, we all know yes. it's still work and it's bloody hard work. And if you've got to be driving, you know, that baby around or pushing the pram, then you need to have your wits about yourself. So, yeah, yeah we absolutely have to really focus on trying to make things equal right from the beginning in terms of, you know, resettling overnight. Um, yeah. You know, if we look at the research on this sort of stuff as well, it's really staggering, you know, the how much sleep deprivation impacts other things so there's very strong links with anxiety and postnatal depression um even things like anger and resentment towards the baby um Mm. can be quite common and i think that's really understandable too because i know if i've had a terrible night's sleep and this isn't even chronic fatigue this is just me being a big sook because i had you know (laughs) a vaguely poor night's sleep you know as a once off I'm cranky as hell. (laughs) It's really hard to be patient with anyone who's making demands of you when you've had a bad night's sleep, let alone a baby who might be going through the crying peak or something. So you're dealing with this really, you know, urgent crying on a lack of sleep yourself. And if you're not supported through that, you're just going to have a horrible time of things. Yeah. Um, And yeah, yeah. especially when it is um, a baby who isn't at the stage yet where they can say thanks mum <laughs> or yeah. I really love you mum <laughs> yeah you're doing a great job <laughs> yeah you know I mean yeah, not that I get a thankless. great deal of that from <laughs> primary school age kids but still that you do get more feedback um, yes. from older children but when it's a baby of course they're not able to give you any <laughs> um, yeah. feedback um, and it can feel like um you're constantly being screamed at and yeah. that can really begin to impact um 
how you feel towards your baby. Um, Because if you're Mm. isolated, you're at home all day and night with um, a baby that just seems to be crying um, a lot and just always, always, always needing more of you, um, and you're not having a chance to recharge, that takes a terrible toll. So it doesn't surprise me that we do find in the research literature um, links between um, parental fatigue and then the warmth um, that families might feel towards their babies. Um, Yeah, yeah. we certainly had a few papers come out that really looked at that link between how parents of babies that have sleep difficulties are faring. And, yeah, the rates of anger, postnatal depression symptoms, anxiety – um, well, all through the roof. And what's really interesting is that, you know, definitely there are higher rates of anxiety disorders and depression. Um, but for some families, when the sleep problem resolves, those symptoms resolve as well. So yeah. sometimes that extreme fatigue can really mimic anxiety and depression. Um, so definitely, mm. yeah, if you're struggling with sleep, you want to get help for that because often that just changes the entire scenario and makes everything feel a whole lot easier. Um, yeah. But look, in terms of strategy, so if there are parents who are listening who are currently in the depths of that real chronic fatigue and fog, um, you know, I'm going to say something which I just hate because, like, you know, you see this all the time. It's reach out to friends and family. We know that. Like everybody knows that. And that kind of advice just really irritates me because if you've got friends and family around, odds are you've probably reached out to them. But I think there are a lot of parents who don't have friends and family that they can mm. call on for that close support. So that kind of advice can just feel irritating, you know, to mm. those families. So what I would say is, you know, look into your parenting groups. If the group you would automatically put in with, your mother's group or parenting group, you know, if you don't gel with them, you don't have to stick with them. There are other options. Mm. There are play groups you can join. Um, there's independent groups popping up all the time. So don't stop looking for those people. Um, I, I often hear your stories, Laura, about your amazing parent group and you're still fast <laughs> yeah. friends and, oh, I'm yeah. envious because you created some wonderful <laughs> connections that I know when you were moving house, everybody just chipped in and helped you and I've never yes. seen anything like it. And so <laughs> I think that's such a good example for other parents yeah. though to not stop looking for that group of no. people. That's right. I was very lucky Mm. and we acquired people, new people who came into our group. Um, Mm. So they didn't start out with us. Um, But, you know, uh, one of the original members of the mother's group was at um, a swimming lesson, um, a baby swimming lesson, and um, met a mum in the swimming lesson who was saying that... um, she hadn't particularly gelled with her original mother's group so mm, she, she was invited in. into us yeah well look my eldest is nearly 13 but could I become an honorary member <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you group. already are <laughs> good <laughs> lovely I'll be yeah putting that on my email sign off honorary member <laughs> said that she had started going to the gym and that Mm. had the free daycare because yeah if you um are isolated you don't have friends and family around you um then let's make it let's make those links let's find 
yeah. um, that group of people to help. So, yeah, Sarah joined the gym, which is brilliant for her mental and yeah. physical health. Um, and it doesn't and then have perhaps- to be like group classes either because I hate any no. kind of group class. But I was reading an article of someone, uh, it was in uh, some kind of popular media thing, so I'm sure people would have also read this but it was someone who did that they joined the gym because each week they got something like two hours of free childcare, and they were not interested in exercise or classes at all they just wanted time to themselves to completely defrag from the week and so they would just get on the treadmill and turn it on really slow and just very slowly walk along <laughs> for two hours and I love that love it. Yeah, because it wasn't about going and, you know, working out and getting really strong and fit. It was just a place to go to relax and, you know, have a bit of a reset. So I'm like, I would have, I would hands down would have done that when mine were little. I don't even reckon Mm -hmm. it was an option back then though. Um, But yeah, I love that. I hope everybody goes and Googles the fitness centres now. Yeah. Do and find one that's got a spa or a sauna and (laughs) go and do that. Yeah, yeah, and some of them have pools attached. Yeah, definitely. I want to know where the good ones are too. I want someone email us and tell us where the good ones are, and we can tell everyone. Um, yeah, if there's a particularly good, if there's a good chain, um, yeah, with a really good crèche or something. Yeah, let yeah, us know. We'll give them the a shout out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so look, definitely. Yeah, um, things like. You're looking at other childcare options as well. So you might not be back at work yet, but maybe booking half a day of childcare each week, not because you need to work, but just because you want to have some time to get back on top of things, do something for yourself. There's a brilliant way of building not only your baby or toddler's sense of community because they're meeting new people and, and you know, other little people as well and new carers, um, but that can give you a really good chance to have a bit of a reset too. Um yeah. And definitely, definitely sharing that night waking. I think that's one of the most important things mm. you can do. Um, if your baby's still breastfeeding and really needs that when they wake at night, then decide how many feeds you're going to do overnight. Um, and if there's a time when they wake up and they're not due for a feed, that should absolutely be the time that your partner goes in and does the resettling. Um, yeah. So definitely work on on tag teaming there. Yeah. Um, th- think mm. of the, um, the night as um, another job so Mm. you've if the one partner is going off to do paid work during the day and the other partner is staying at home with the baby then they've both partners have got their day jobs and night time is a third job that needs to be shared as equally as possible between both of the parents yeah Um, 100 yeah and we talk about this a lot in Sombal as well in the chapter on parenting is that it really helps right from the get-go to have these conversations with your partner about how you are going to share the parenting equally um, and share that mental load equally as well. It's about more than just the sleep and the settling, but also about who's thinking about, you know, when they're due for the next checkup or their vaccinations or their dentist appointment or whatever else it is. Um, have the conversations early on about who, who's going to kind of take on those roles mm. um, because then you set the wheels in motion on on a partnership that is a true partnership right from the beginning. Much harder if one parent takes on everything in the early days and then you're constantly trying to battle it out to get an mm. equal kind of distribution of household labour um, later yeah. on down the track. So, yeah, if you're a Slumbell member, go check out that chapter. There's a few good tips in there. 
Um, but definitely if you're struggling with fatigue and exhaustion, I would say chat to your GP just like Sarah did. You know, they can put mm-hmm. you in touch with a psychologist if you need one. Um, reaching out to Beyond Blue if you're feeling really depressed or anxious, but also the Panda service as well. Mm. Um, I will try and remember to put links and phone numbers in the show notes <laughs> for those services. They're so wonderful, especially the people at Panda. I absolutely love them. The wonderful things yeah. I hear from parents who call up feeling lost and then end that phone call feeling really supported and like they're, mm-hmm. they're okay and they can keep going. Um, they must be angels on that helpline. Yeah. Well, and they talk you through, if you're having a particularly bad moment and you call them, they will talk you through that bad moment for as long as you need them to. So, Amazing. Um, you know, they'll obviously check with you that you've put your baby somewhere safe and you, you're not, um, yeah. yeah, that it, they're, you're in a place where you can um, uh, be taught, you know, have that nice conversation with them. Um they are really excellent. So it's a fabulous resource um, if you are at the end of your tether. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really is. Yeah, and do keep in mind as well that if your baby's four months old um, or older, there's lots you can do to start to really improve sleep. So if you're getting really excessive night waking, um, you absolutely can reduce that as well. There are still parents out there who feel like, However much night waking happens is what they have to put up with, but it's just not the case. Often no. there's little things that you can adjust that really help to reduce it. So if you're struggling, definitely get support with that. Yeah. Um, so moving on to some questions now that we've had come mm. through. One of the big ones I've had multiple times this week, and I know you have as well, Laura, is what the heck do we do about daylight savings coming oh, up? Oh, yes. Lots of parents of babies and toddlers saying help what do we need to know what do we need to do um i actually just put something on our instagram and our facebook channels this morning about this because you know every time a parent asks me my mind just goes blank yeah mine too so <laughs> which way is it going <laughs> yeah what does that mean how will they feel yeah it's really yeah. it's hard so i sat down and figured it out and there's um a post that gives you a few clues so with this one, the clocks are going to be going forward an hour. Even now, I'm like you can probably hear me clicking. I'm just checking. Yeah, <laughs> I've got that right. They are. They're going forward an hour this coming Sunday, October the first. Um, so every time the clock changes, it's a win for one set of families and not a win for another. This time around, yes. it's a win for families that have really super early rises, because if they've been waking up at 5.30 in the morning, once the clock changes, that's then going to be 6.30. So rather than you trying to kind of move their wake-up time along, um, you're just going to have a really nice easy win, which is great. Mm-hmm. So for some families, if you've got an early riser, don't change anything um, and it might the new timing might work really well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if what you want to do is keep the same schedule you have at the moment, so maybe you've got things like childcare and, and stuff like that where you need to be up by a certain time, then you can start to make some gradual changes to maintain your current schedule. So you can have a look at this in the post, but basically what we say is um, each day from Wednesday, the 27th, you can start to move um, wake up time, nap time and bedtime 15 minutes earlier each day. Mm. So for example, on Wednesday, if, if your baby or toddler's bedtime is normally 7 p.m., you might make it 6.45 p.m. Mm. Then the next day you bring everything 15 minutes earlier again 
So over the course of four days, you're shifting, basically shifting their body clock an entire hour earlier so that when the clocks go forward on Sunday and their bedtime is now 6 p.m., um, the clocks go forward and make it 7 p.m. Yeah. I hope I'm explaining that well. It's, it's yeah, always yeah, confusing unless I see it yeah. written down. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're you know, really wanting to keep the same schedule and you want to make a gradual adjustment, check out that post and you can follow those steps. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing what I have done every single time with my kids, which is just <laughs> fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> And yeah. I remember when they were little, I'd be saying to them, yeah, it's bedtime now. And they'd be like, no, 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 it's still light. And I'd be like, yes, but there's a new bedtime. The sun's kind of just doing something a bit different now. <laughs> this is this is actually the time we go to bed. And I'd shut all the blinds and they were like, oh, okay, I guess it is then. Um, yeah, we definitely have some had some tricky settles. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can just make it a big change all in one go, get them up on time the next morning. Um, usually after a few days they will adjust. So it really just depends on whether you fly by the seat of your pants or you like to carefully plan things out. <laughs> yeah, I know lots of families with multiples will probably want to have it quite structured. And, yeah. um, and families that have children that absolutely thrive on predictability and structure will want to follow the gradual steps starting from Wednesday so that by mm. Sunday morning everything is back on track um but yes uh i've done a mixture of both because my two children are very different from each other <laughs> so uh when yeah. i was prepared i did uh, the gradual um easing them into it but there have been other years where it's just crept up on me <laughs> and add, yeah. adding a trip to england um if i've gone back to see my family then um mm. it's really chaos because you know over there in the height of summer it can be getting dark only at 9 30 10 o'clock at night um yeah. so um yeah anyway yes good luck <laughs> good <Yeah>. luck families <laughs> good luck that's right and if you're a sunbell member i'm going to shoot out an email um tomorrow um just outlining all those changes for you so you'll have it all there um in that email um and then we had another question come through from a family mm. and they say um, we've started working through the slow fade approach for cot settling. So this is an approach where mm. you start to introduce some new sleep associations while your baby's still in your arms. And then once they're used to those new sleep associations, then you start to work on cot settling. Mm. Um, so they say our six month old has been waking every one or two hours on and off for around two months now. Oh, that's tough. Ooh. I've yeah. been doing contact naps for all of his naps during the day. Somehow we got into this habit. For a week now, I've been putting him in the cot once he's asleep for most of his naps. And he's always gone down in his cot at bedtime once he's asleep. Mm. For the naps, he's only lasting about 30 or 40 minutes before waking up crying. And he's now also waking up every half an hour or so during the night crying and then will generally settle back to sleep once we pick him up. But then he wakes up again 30 minutes oh, later. Gosh, well, That's yeah. really tough. Mm. Um, do you think that doing every nap in the cot is a bit too much after doing all contact naps as it feels like this is contributing to him waking more frequently? Um, I think this is such a good good question because what's happening with this baby is once he's asleep he's being put down in the cot so it sounds like this family's doing the new sleep associations but he's falling asleep mm -hmm. in their arms once he's asleep they put him down and 
Yeah, I'm not surprised he's waking every 30 or 40 minutes. It's, that's around the length of one sleep cycle. So odds are he's mm-hmm. falling asleep, comes back up into light sleep, realises he's been you know, put somewhere different to where he fell asleep and he's springing awake really unhappy. Mm. Whereas if he was having a contact nap, he would be a little bit aware after the end of that sleep cycle of his surroundings, but he would notice I'm still in mum's arms or dad's arms um, and would probably have a much longer nap. So this can be really hard on families when Mm. they start to work on cot settling and babies are springing awake really quickly. Look, I would say when this happens, one of the best things you can do is move to step two of that slow fade approach where you actually do the settling in the cot. Because I think at the end of the day, if he falls asleep in his cot, even with lots of all the support options that are outlined in SunPal, use all of those to get him off to sleep in his cot. Then when he does come up into light sleep and realises, you know, where he is, it's not going to be a surprise. He fell asleep there. He's waking up there. And usually after, it can take a little bit of time, but usually after a few days, they'll start to resettle themselves and start to have those longer naps. Um, I've been waffling on for too long. Laura, does that sound? No, no. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think that, um, yeah, gosh, you poor things. Um, Two Mm. months of um, such frequent wakes. Um, you must be very, very tired. Um, so watch out when for those stop signs <laughs> when you're driving. Um, yes. yes, and I think you're right there, Fallon, that um, this baby is doing um, really about one sleep cycle um, before they're springing awake and um, they're not able to go back to sleep until they're back in mum or dad's arms because um, mm. that's their sleep association. Um, presumably if they're doing or since they're doing the slow fade approach they'll be um be patting and humming or shushing um the baby to sleep in their arms um and absolutely the way to keep making progress is to move on to the next step where Mm. the for the whole reason why we start with um Uh, introducing new sleep associations whilst your baby's in your arms when you're using that slowed fade approach is so that you can then start to use those associations when you put your baby into their cot so it can seem quite daunting to make this Mm. next step but it sounds like they've made really um good um inroads into introducing Mm. those new sleep associations so don't be scared about now popping your baby down into his cot before he's entirely asleep and then use those same sleep associations that you've introduced over the last week um, to help him feel um, comfortable in his cot. And although he's no longer in your arms, he is still being patted and shushed or shushed or hummed or whatever those new sleep associations are. Um, And um, that um, link is there for him. So it's not going to be like it was before, perhaps when you put him down in his cot and you hadn't done any layering of those associations and he might have screamed his head off. Um, Now you've actually put some good foundations in place. So it's definitely time to move on to that next step. Um, And it's only once you're on that step and you are able to start to settle him in the cot um, with the patting and the shushing or the humming, that you're going to be able to then to start wean off, weaning off that um, those associations, and that he's then going to be able, as you were saying, Fallon, to kind of come up 
into lighter sleep after his um, he's finished one of his sleep cycles and see that nothing has changed a great deal from when he fell asleep. And then he's more likely to be able to get himself into his next um, cycle independently. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've done really good work on just setting up the foundations that now you've got some really good skills you can use to help him settle in the cot. I think as well, just be prepared that he's going to notice that he's in the cot and not in your arms when you put him down and he will be cranky about it. Odds are he's going to have a bit of a, a bit of a cry, be a little bit upset. But what I would encourage you to do is really persist with those associations, the padding, the humming, the shushing, um, or whatever combination you're using. Try and persist with it for, you know, five or 10 minutes and see how he goes. Because so Mm. often within that 10 minutes, they're like, oh, okay, well, this is close enough to what I'm used to. Mum's obviously, or dad's obviously right here with me, constant hands on support, you know, everything's okay. And then they start to settle. So you might have a couple of tricky settles, but it usually does get better really, Mm. really quickly. Um, yeah. So when you're feeling ready, I would definitely yeah encourage you to to jump in because it's often often that's the tricky bit. And once you've got them settling in the yeah. cot, it really does get easier quite quickly. Yeah, um, I think and so. I think it's really interesting too. You know, the idea when they come back up into light sleep, you know, they're doing what a lot of people kind of call that systems check. They're just kind of checking: Am I okay? Am I hungry? Am I too hot? Am I too cold? Um, am I some way different? And that really yeah. becomes apparent at four months of age. So it's interesting you say that he's six months old and this has been going on for a couple of months. Odds are at four months he started to really be bothered um, waking up somewhere different. So he does his systems check and realises, hang on, <laughs> what did they yeah. do? Where am I? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, look, really hope that helps for that family. Um, if you're a Sunbell member, please send in some questions and would love to answer them next week. Um, oh, someone else did ask a question actually just a few minutes ago asking about is there a Sunbell for toddlers? And there will be. <laughs> We're very, very excited about it. Yes. It's in the works. We've been working away on it after hours and on weekends, and it is going to be amazing. I am so excited about this. It is really going to be fantastic. So, uh, you know, if you've got questions about toddlers you'd like us to answer on the podcast, we can absolutely do that. Um, and it might even help to shape the content that goes into that toddlers program. Yeah, so definitely. let's wrap that up. We're getting very good at talking on and on and on on these podcasts, <laughs> aren't we? They're getting longer and longer. <laughs> but thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. Thank you for the lovely five-star reviews and also welcome to it. We've just had the huge number of new families join us in Sunbell over the past few days. Um, and I want you to know that every time someone joins up, Laura and I grin and giggle and usually send each other a message going, woohoo, we've got a new yes. member. <laughs> So we're very excited with all of you joining up and it's just wonderful to have you. So please do reach out to us so we can um, make sure you're feeling really supported. Yeah, welcome everyone. And um, yeah, send us your questions because we would love to answer them. All right, see you next week. See you, bye. If you need help with your baby's sleep or settling, then you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic for babies aged 0 to 12 months. It contains all the best resources from Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura's sleep clinics, so you can rest easy and soak in your baby. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.